What is going on, guys? This boy's back at the JC and the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Lee. Some people call me the truth. My co-host, Chris. And obviously, once again, joined by Gino and Steve, our guests. And obviously, today looks a little bit different than usual. We managed to find a way where we could all record together, obviously, being COVID safe. But we are all here. <laughs> we are all here to bring you guys our AFC and NFC Championship Podcast. So obviously, before we get into the battle of the Young Guns with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, who I pray to God is okay, and the battle of the old veterans and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. We want to recall uh, a kind of a tough week of the NFC divisional round when it came to uh, possibly the last time we will ever watch Drew Brees play in an NFL game. Now, I know for you guys, it was it was a little rough to watch Drew Brees play in that game. It, it, he did not look like himself in any way, and you know, now hearing that this might have been his last game, I mean, what do you guys got with that? I think you nailed it right in the head. This weekend was great to see, obviously. You know, not every game lived up to our expectations, but it was a very bittersweet weekend. And it made me think as a fan, like, wow, we're, we're getting old watching these games. Um, guys we watched growing up are starting to go. I mean, it's kind of sad. We don't know if Frank Gore's at home next year, Adrian Peterson, Meyer Pitt seems like he's done, and the people around him are trying are confirming that as well. And even Drew Brees, we don't, we don't know yet, but we're pretty sure he's done after watching him play. Philip Rivers is called to quits after 17 gritty years, and um, Big Ben's probably done it the next year too. So it is it is definitely hard to see all these guys go. These are guys who grew up idolizing, and um, it's sad to see them go. And that's one thing I want to discuss with you guys. It's one thing that we're not seeing a lot of in sports anymore. It's these, I, this idea of a fantasy book ending, and I don't think that's really you know a, a thing anymore. Everyone wants to go out and have Derek Jeter run out. You know, you're not going to go out like that with tons of fans screaming at their feet. And I think it was walk off hit, right? And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of sports players want to go out like that, but we're not seeing that. Unfortunately, I don't think Drew Brees is ever going to get as storybook ending as good as his team might be around him. I think he's, I think he's decaying. <laughs> he's decaying right, right, right in front of our eyes, you know. But it is sad to see, but um, we have to applaud for these players that have had amazing, amazing careers. Yeah, you know, Chris, you used the right word in decaying because he's an artifact. Um, <laughs> These guys, I think the thing you have to know is when it's time to hang up the cleats. Because everybody knows it's that time for a lot of these guys. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, he's still catching the ball. He's still playing well. But it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Kyler Murray's just not there yet. The Arizona Cardinals aren't winning the Super Bowl anytime soon. Adrian Peterson doesn't doesn't have a home. He's homeless. <laughs> Frank Gore, I mean, he's playing with the Lions. But, you know, it's essentially homeless. And then uh, Frank Gore, obviously, I, I, what's the point of getting signed? Unless you're going to get signed by one of these top-tier teams and ride off into the sunset with a ring, which it doesn't look like because their services aren't needed anymore because they're 100. I, I think you have to know it's time to hang up the cleats. I mean, Drew Brees, apparently, after the game, was outed by his, his wife, who wrote this down in a napkin at home, that he had this laundry list of injuries, a punctured lung, torn fibula, three broken teeth. Uh, the guy's got to hang up the cleats. He, we could give him an excuse, all the excuses in the book. It's not going to change that his arm resembles a pool noodle. It's not going to change. He can't throw the ball more than five yards downfield. And I think it's time to hang up the cleats. He's had a great career. He got his ring, but he's not riding off into the sunset anytime soon. So I think you got to know when it's time because you're going to taint your legacy if not. But the problem with these guys is they're such competitors that they don't want to do that. Guys like Tom Brady aren't going to hang up the cleats when it's time because they're going to play until somebody tells them, we don't want you. You can't play anymore. You suck. And they're going to do that, and they're going to play until they're told that they're not good enough to play anymore. So, of course, a lot of these players aren't going to get the fantasy ending that we're accustomed to seeing in movies, but it's just not going to happen. So I think it's time for Drew Brees and a lot of these guys to give it a rest, enjoy retirement, maybe hop on a broadcast, and give it up.
Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that was that was some speech right there. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I very much agree that I think this is definitely the time for Drew Brees to hang up. And you know, the Frank Gore one hurts me. That's my yeah, that's, that's my guy. That's really my guy. And you gotta really think hurts. of it like milk. Milk has expiration date. <laughs> and right now, Drew Brees, <laughs> Frank Gore, milk. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, they're all getting chunky milk, man. <laughs> the thing is, when it comes to all of them, I mean, Frank Gore could still. I mean, Frank Gore's like. You know, he was the last person to catch that pass that won the Jets their last game. Like, oh, actually, no, because they technically won again afterwards. Like, <laughs> like idiots. But Frank Gore, I mean, like, he's one of those guys, like you said. And Larry Fitzgerald would be the same way. Why would they go to a team unless that team is going to make the Super Bowl? Frank Gore, who is decaying, as we've already explained with Drew Brees, he went to the Jets. What is the point of going to the Jets? Literally Jets? nothing. If I had to see Frank Gore take another snap next season, I'm going to explode. <laughs> if Frank Gore goes anywhere, he needs to go to a team that's going to be a guaranteed lock in the Super Bowl or at least a, a division like a, like the Chiefs. Like, that's going to be the team. But once again, I don't think that's going to happen. And overall, um, I don't know. This is just like, you know, it kind of hurts to see all these legends go. And like you said, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy that we are really growing up like this. Like, we're all 21, 22 years, going to be 22 years old. There are players that are getting drafted that are younger than us. At what point do we look at that and we're like, wow, like, like this guy's in the NFL and I'm, and I'm making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's rough, but like, in general, it's pretty crazy how, you know, we are actually growing up and we're watching the end of some of our favorites, like Drew Brees and Larry Fitzgerald go, guys that we always looked at as immortal. Yeah. Definitely, and I think, you know, one thing I want to bring up before we get into this week's games, how are we feeling about the Ravens? I don't know, Steve, you want to start us off over there? And, you know, the Ravens? The Ravens. Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm in the camp that Lamar Jackson is is not as good an NFL quarterback as people make him out to be. Uh, he gets, uh, rightfully so, he has hype, but because he can extend plays with his legs and he does sick magical things with his legs, which I wish I can do. But when it comes to passing, uh, he's just not there. We've seen him these two plus years in the league. His throwing, I think, is below average for, for an NFL quarterback. Um, there are plenty of other people I'd rather have quarterback team throwing-wise. Uh, Running-wise, he's, he's immaculate. I think he's, he's there's a stat in the game. I think he had like, the highest yards per carry the last two years over any rusher. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm i in the camp that I think the Ravens aren't going to make it past the divisional round with someone like Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Even though how good he is, they just need like a, a true quarterback to make throws when it counts because – we all know how to stop throwing. You stop the box. You stack the box, and maybe yeah, he breaks off a big play here and there, like he did against the Titans, and he did a couple times last week. Um, but at the end of the day, quarterback has to be able to throw. I don't, I don't think he can do that when it comes down to it. I agree, Steve. Because I mean, the thing that you see with all these teams that get deep into the playoffs, like you're looking at right now, we got Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. That's what win you playoff games. There's quarterbacks that can throw the ball. And it doesn't matter how good – not that it doesn't matter, obviously. It's helpful if you have a great running back. But running backs don't win you championships. So once you get into the playoffs, year after year, we see elite quarterback play elite quarterback, and that's what advances you into these games. So we see Lamar Jackson have this insane success in the regular season, and he wins all these games, and he's winning MVPs. And people are saying, how could you say that the former MVP from last year should, isn't a franchise quarterback? But he doesn't get it done in the playoffs. And I know he's still young. He's only had, what, two, three years in the playoffs now? But I think there comes a time where you have to question, is this somebody who's going to win us playoff games? Because these gadget guys that run the ball so well, they get figured out by defenses. And he slowed down a little this year statistically, and then the playoffs come around, and he can't produce and can't win the Ravens game. So I think it's a serious question if he's their franchise guy or not. Yeah, no, like I, I actually fully agree with that. Because one thing growing up that we've all seen is the emergence of the mobile quarterback. But it, there, there comes a time where you need to look at these guys, right? Like guys like Russell Wilson, 
uh, you know, growing up, we've watched guys like him, uh, RG3, Colin Kaepernick. Now you look at guys like Lamar Jackson, all these young Cam Newton. All, you look at all these young quarterbacks that love running the ball. And whether or not they're able to stay in the league is, basically comes down to the fact of are they able to become a throw-first, run-second quarterback? Russell Wilson is the perfect example, as, as, as bad as he looked this year in the playoffs. But he's the perfect example of a guy who became pass-first to the point where now he doesn't even run the ball. But he became a pass-first quarterback, and look at him now. Josh Allen, we know he can make magic with his legs, but he's a throw-first quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, he is so good at throwing the ball that people forget he can run. I mean, and a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Brady's the furthest thing from a running quarterback. But a guy like Aaron Rodgers is another guy when he he's so good at throwing the ball that you forget that they're actually mobile outside of the pocket. So you're going to look at guys like RG. I mean, Cam Newton is the perfect example of a Lamar Jackson, a guy who won an MVP, was so, like, heroic to watch. He's so fun to watch. But then you get to that one game against that really solid defense, and it's all of a sudden, if he can't run, it's over. Cam Newton couldn't couldn't do anything against the Broncos. Lamar Jackson, if he plays that tough defense, uh, you know, that can figure out that he's going to run the ball, it's over. I mean, and Lamar Jackson looked so iffy in that postseason game, I mean, against the Bills. Like, I mean, I really thought that they were actually going to change, he was going to change people's minds, but he just, that pick was so bad because... It, and there was just two throws before that where he's just missing the wide open. I know he's under pressure, but he's missing wide open guys. And you're like, is this guy really going to ever be an NFL quarterback? Or is he just going to be one of those RG3s that is so fun to watch, but then he gets hit too hard, and there goes his career. I, I think one very interesting thing is, I know after this we'll get into this week's games, but let me know what you guys think about this. I talked I talk to a lot of people even before the game um, when we played last week. I was saying this would be an interesting idea. You, got, you have a guy like Lamar Jackson – you know, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a pristine pocket passer. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, so why not play to his strengths all the time? Let him just be the running quarterback who can make those occasional throws. I, would, I wouldn't I mind seeing him go out there and draft a quarterback in the third round that just throw the ball. Even the fourth round, you bring him in situations where you need to throw the ball. Because, you know, Lamar's never going to be that guy who's going to march. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy who's going to march down the field in 45 seconds if you need a touchdown or even a field goal. So, I mean, it's, it's something the Ravens have to consider. There's no doubt that Lamar Jackson is their franchise quarterback when we get that off the plate. But it seems like they need to do something else to help them um, go into better winning situations. Yeah, you, you know, that's an interesting concept. But overall, like, I never thought of that. Like, you know, this is a guy that won an MVP yeah. a year ago. Like, and now we're thinking to the point, like, can he even throw the ball? But I, I don't know. That's an interesting concept I never thought about. I, I just have a little qualm with it is that it makes your play calling very predictable. You yeah. know, when you bring a guy in the game, he's going to throw the ball, and Mark's going to run the ball. I mean, we've seen some success with it to an extent, which Jacoby Brissett comes in on the third and ones, picks it up, they run the ball. But I don't know if that's a sustainable method for a playoff team to go down and win championships, win playoff games. Um, and like you said, I, I, I don't think Lamar's the guy. So they seriously do have to consider consider moving on from him, but I just, the dual threat, the dual quarterback thing kind of, kind of bugs me a little bit, because you kind of become predictable to a defense. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, 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 for a dual quarterback, like you said, Lee, you have to be throw first one second. I think that's, that's the recipe if you want to be a rusher as a quarterback, you have to be a throw first. Yeah, and that's why we, you know, we get so excited to play, I mean, you know, another guy I completely forgot about, Johnny Manziel. I mean, like, he had a lot of issues, but if we're talking about him as a quarterback, like, you know, he was a very much mobile, fun quarterback to watch. But, 
you know, his ability to get it done on the field just wasn't there. And obviously his throws weren't accurate, but, I mean, he was a run-first kind of guy too. But, I mean, it's just it's just sad because these guys have such talent. But, you know, it, and also another thing with Lamar Jackson, it's, it's not really his fault. I mean, his weapons, besides Mark Andrews, there's really not much, like, in the receiving end. Marquise Brown, He's one of the guys, man, he, his over-under in caches this last game was, was a half. No, it was half a yard. Half a yard. Was it a half a yard or half a catch? Probably both. It was really bad. You know what the scary thing? Uh, did he even catch it? I don't no, think he got it. I kept looking at that. I was like, he had negative yards. But um, overall, like, you know, yeah, the receiving end, there's not really much there. So they obviously try to get a guy like Des Bryant. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown is not is, is not that phenomenal of a wide receiver. Not, number one. not even close to a number one. Uh, maybe in the offseason they go out and try to get a guy like an Allen Robinson yeah. or a Galladay, somebody that maybe could give Lamar Jackson that, you know, like, I mean, Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen didn't have a, uh, an incredible passing offense going until last year. This year they got him a true stud number one wide receiver, and look at him now. And look at the look at Diggs now. But overall, I, I still stand by my statement that regardless of the amount of receivers, you give him Terrell Owens on one side, Randy Moss on the other, and Jerry Rice in the slot, he will never be that purifier pocket passer that people want him to be. Now, Gino, I want to go over something that you mentioned earlier, going back to Phillip Rivers. So you asked the question to us, if we really thought that Philip Rivers was a Hall of Famer. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I think he is. I think it. I mean, if he's not a Hall of Famer, what is? It gets to a point where it's just a game of rings at that point. Because, I mean, I know he hasn't performed well in the playoffs, and that's been his Achilles heel. But this guy, year in, year out, we're looking at a matter of stats and consistency, has been a textbook Hall of Famer. He's top 10 in, what, yards, touchdowns. I mean, the guy year after year has put in formidable seasons of being one of the best passers in the league. So I don't think his lack of playoff success should take him out of the Hall of Fame. I think that maybe stops him from being an all-time great into the conversation of, you know, these top players talking about like Brady, Rodgers, Manning. But I think Hall of Fame, yes, I think there's guys who are much much less qualified than him that have made the Hall of Fame. Nick, I know you have a vendetta against Joe Namath. I know we can talk (laughs) about him later. But I definitely think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree, too. Um... I think Super Bowl championship or Super Bowls or wins in general are more of a team accomplishment. And not one, we've seen it in some games. The guy can get you a win single-handedly. But the majority of the times, you need a whole team to win. And uh, you see, you see, you see it in football. You see it in baseball. A uh, good example is Jacob DeGrom's season two years ago when he won the Cy Young. He had, he had what, like eight, nine wins? Ten, and ten nine. wins, yeah. yeah. And, and he won. But people were knocking because he had the, the supposed number of wins for a Cy Young picture. Um, but uh, based on stats-wise, performance, his individual performance, I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer, Phil Rivers. And I think so, too. It's, it's very borderline. I would, I would say it's going to come down to maybe the last few votes for him. But I think at the end of the day, you, I think you have to give him a nod. I mean, the guy was, I think he was consistent for 17 years. I think we can all say he was consistent. He was never a top-five quarterback, probably not even top-seven quarterback in the league. But he always he always hovered around maybe top-15, top, maybe top-10 some years when he had really good years. The guy was gritty. He was an awesome leader. And he, he probably did, you know he did a lot of work for his community when he was with the Chargers and um, everywhere you go everyone has nothing but nice things to say about Philip Rivers and I think you know he, he put he put his heart and soul out onto the field and I'm sure he was one of the best teammates out there so I think he deserves a nod and I think he will get the nod maybe if it's not in five years maybe in ten years from now 
You know, I, I stand by that he is a Hall of Famer, obviously, as you know, knows my big vendetta against Joe Namath. I think Joe Namath is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but considering, I think he has under 500 his record. He had, I'm like not 100% on this, but I'm pretty sure he has more interceptions than touchdowns. He does? Yeah. That's really impressive that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> um, and there's a question mark on these guys, like if Eli and, and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger will be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Namath had more interceptions than touchdowns. He won a Super Bowl MVP without throwing a touchdown. Like, who put this guy in there? He's not. It doesn't make sense. But all right, off the Joe Namath topic, I do think in general, Philip. <laughs> I do think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback based off his stats alone. But the one thing that obviously is his knock is the interceptions. Fourth, fourth quarter interception. You can lock up Philip Rivers to throw at least one in. 40 to 50 percent of their games, um, but overall, I think what makes Philip Rivers a quarter, uh, the a Hall of Fame quarterback beyond his stats is if you think of the San Diego Chargers growing up, obviously now Los Angeles, but you think of the San Diego Chargers, they were Philip Rivers. They were never that dumb. Obviously, they had good years, but they were never a team that you looked at and you said that's the best team in the AFC. But Philip Rivers always kept them competitive. His skill, his dominance, he. He kept them in games. Sure, sometimes he threw them in the fourth quarter, a lot of times, but he would keep people competitive. He, he was a he was a winner at heart, and he was a very, in my opinion, a very underrated quarterback. Like you said, he was never really top five any year. But you know, if you got into the playoffs with his horrible defenses and awful run games, and you know, awful wide receiving court, he would get you into the playoffs, and then you know, you still believe you had a chance. So overall, I do think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Not solely off his stats. I just think he made the city what it is. And at the same time, he also beat some of the competition out like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that was fun, but now let's take let's take a good look into some of uh, the, the two games we have next week. The AFC Championship between the two young guns, as I mentioned. Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen versus the NFC Championship where we have the two uh, um, the two veterans in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So we'll start off with the young guns, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes with a huge scare this week. You know, uh, took a hit, hit, I think. I don't understand how, but I, I thought he was like, he was okay at first. Then he couldn't stand on his own two feet, and I started to get a little worried. And then obviously, of course, King Chad Henny comes in, tries to blow the game, but then somehow wins it because... Andy Reid calls the sickest fourth down call I've ever seen. Um, overall, I, I in this game coming up, I, I'm going to stick with my original pick with it being um, the Chiefs. Actually, I think I had the Bills, but now my pick is the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the Chiefs because I just think if it comes down to a high-scoring offense, I just think the Bills' defense is just a little bit worse than the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs can force maybe one or two turnovers to give themselves a win. Yeah, all right, some good takes, Lee. I am going to go flip the script, and I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I think Patrick Mahomes should go to Weenie Hut General Hospital down the road. This guy loves drama and attention. He's limping around every game like Peggy the Pirate. He is limping every game. He hurt his right big toe, his left ankle he's limping with. I don't know what's going on. He loves the attention. He loves the start. Whatever. He's still great. I don't care. But I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I think he's definitely going to play. He hit his neck somehow as a concussion. He's definitely going to play Patrick Mahomes. But this Chiefs team hasn't really impressed me all that much this year. Like I said last week, they've been in a lot of dogfights. Most of their games have been dogfights, and nobody likes a dogfight when the Buffalo Bills. 
I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to look good. I think their defense is strong. I actually like the Bills' defense a little bit better than Chiefs' defense. Both of their run games are kind of negligible, but I think Josh Allen's going to get it done, and I, I really I really do like the Buffalo Bills. I think it's going to be a close game and come down to the fourth quarter, and I don't think the Chiefs' defense is going to hold. And um, this Chiefs' offense, I think they're getting a little too big for their britches. I think they're too good a little bit, honestly. They don't seem to get as excited by games anymore. They're scoring touchdowns, but they look a little lackadaisical in my opinion. I think the Bills are going to come out and smack them in the teeth. They're a hard-nosed team, and I'm taking the Bills this week. I think that's, you know, I agree with everything you said there, but, you know, I would love to pick the Bills, New York team, and this team I think that we can all get behind root for easily. But I think the Chiefs showed me that, you know, we don't need Patrick Mahomes to win last week. I mean, if you think about it, they how long they, they didn't have a home through what ten minutes in, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Chad, and Chad Henney threw one of the worst passes I've ever seen. It's, 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 like, it's a long time. It's a long time yeah. in the game. The the Browns could have easily came back and won that game. Yeah. So I think with Mahomes, it's obviously going to be a close game, like you said. Uh, the Chiefs aren't the greatest team at uh, covering spreads. They like to keep it closer than we all expected to. I think this is obviously going to be a close game. But I think when Mahomes obviously puts them over the edge, I think it's, they're, they're just going to do enough what they need to do to win. So I, I like the Chiefs. I'm going to stick my, with my original prediction when we started this back a few weeks ago. I do think the game is going to be a little bit more of a low-scoring game than we all anticipate. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure why. It just has some makings of it could be a 70-point game or it could be a 35-point game. So um, it's going to be, I don't know, it's, I think it's still going to be a very good game. And um, I would say it comes down to the last, last second field goal, but I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. Yeah, if I'm a Bills fan, I'd be shaking my boots thinking about playing Chad Penny this week. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to pick the opposite of Chris and Nick, and I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Um, the Bills have been my team all year because I have Josh Allen in fantasy, and I love him for the guy. You know, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm also a New York fan, besides rooting for the Yankees. You know? <laughs> but um, I, think, I think the Bills and Chiefs offense, uh, they're both capable of putting up points in a hurry. Um, we've seen that on numerous occasions. And another fun fact that I have this week is both these matches, both the AFC and the NFC, um, they, both these matches happened in week six of the NFL regular season. Um, and the Chiefs won the first matchup with the Bills, um, but I think it's going to be different this time around. You know, the Chiefs haven't really been impressive to me these last, these string of the last like eight games or six games or seven games. Um, I think they failed to cover in all those games, and that's something you don't really expect to see from the Chiefs. You expect them to see, blowing, out, blowing people out, um, doing it in relative ease, but they haven't really seen that like dominant force that we've once seen them. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I still think they're the best team in the AFC. But I think the Bills are playing better football right now, and that's all that really matters. So I think I'm going to take the Bills this weekend. Measure uh, Steve's uh, cool stat of the week. <laughs> and, you know, let me just jump back in here. I think, I don't know if you guys agree, but in my mind, these last four teams are the best teams in football. Yeah, I think for once, you know, maybe last year, I'm afraid the last four teams, but I think, you know, this is one of the first years in recent memory where we've had, I would say, the best four teams be the last four teams. Yeah. So it is refreshing to see these teams be the last four teams in it because, you know, it's the NFL. We're always used to surprises. Even though the Bucs were the fifth seed this year, the Saints were a well-oiled machine during the regular season, even when they had to be some hell in there. So the Bucs got off the, you know, a little bit of a rock start in the beginning, and unfortunately they couldn't catch the Saints and get the two seed. But I, like we said, I think this is the best four teams in the NFL, so it is refreshing to see. I think this should be a great week of football. Yeah, I 100% agree that these are the best four teams. And like you said, the Bucs were the five seed, but it doesn't mean anything because right. overall you take those two games against the Saints out of the way, the Bucs were, in my opinion, 100% the better team going throughout the year as 
Drew Brees just lost it towards the end, and obviously <laughs> his, his, his ribs expired, his body decayed, <laughs> expired, and lost fuck. Um, but yeah, so overall, I think we do have the, uh, the two best teams, the NFC, and the two best teams, the NFC. And speaking of those two best teams, the NFC, we have a battle that we probably wanted to see our entire our entire lives, and a championship game between Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady. The winner goes to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to start off here, and I'm going to go with the pick I had last week and the week before that. I'm staying with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think you can count out uh, a guy like Tom Brady as he has been absolutely dominant. <laughs> He's been absolutely dominant this year, and, you know, Overall, <laughs> overall, I think, I think when it comes down to it, the the Bucks just have the weapons. Unfortunately, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't, and obviously he has Devontae Adams, and he can make you know Alan Lazard look like a top five wide receiver. But if it comes down to it, even without Antonio Brown, I do think the I do think the Bucks are going to end up taking it. But it's going to be a close, hard fought battle. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers take it. But you know what? I'm going to stay with my original. You know, they should start calling it a lie. I'm done with it. I'm done with the truth. I hate that thing. I got Green Bay, baby, all day long. My Packers are taking it, and I'm going to tell you why right now. Tampa Bay Bucks. I was not impressed with them last week, and we were all talking about how they were going to beat the Saints and blow the Saints out, and I think they should have. I don't think the Saints put out a great team last week, to be quite frank with you. And I don't think the Bucks' offense utilizes their weapons well at all. I mean, like we said, they've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rojo, Fournette. And I just feel like they're not using these guys. They're not throwing the ball vertically downfield. They're not taking advantage of matchups. They're dinking and dunking. If you watched them last week, Brady was throwing checkdowns all week. They're throwing checkdowns to, to Fournette. I mean, the guy's not a receiving back. He, he had like five, five, six targets last week. I think he dropped four of them. <laughs> Their offense just did not look like it should with all those weapons, in my opinion. So I don't love what they're doing offensively. And Green Bay's defense is getting hot at the right time. Aaron Rodgers isn't used to having a good defense. The one time he had a top 10 defense, he won the Super Bowl back in 2011. Now to the Packers' offense. You're going to talk about how we didn't fare well against them in Week 6, but this is Aaron Rodgers' revenge season. They have lighted a fire under him drafting Jordan Love, and the Buccaneers have lighted a fire under him blowing him out in Week 6. And I think he's going to come out, and I think he's going to blow these Bucks out of the water. Since Week 6, when they blitzed him a bunch and Rodgers seemed to panic, which we're not used to seeing with them. I'm sorry, I can't breathe. Since, <laughs> since week six, he's been phenomenal against the Blitz. I think he's thrown maybe 15 of his touchdowns against the Blitz, and he's been he's been impeccable. And uh, I think he's ready this time. He's been getting the ball out a lot quicker. If you watched him these past couple weeks, played the Rams defense last week. We were talking about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald didn't have a single pressure last week because he got the ball out so quick. I think the Packers are going to come out. I think they're going to punch the Bucks in the teeth. They got a lot of bulletin board material. I know White was talking about how the Packers didn't belong on the same field as him. And it seems like Rodgers using all that bulletin board material and taking it out on the field. I think this is Rodgers' year, and my Packers are going to take this one home. Devin See you in the Super Bowl. Devin White said that? Yeah, after the wow. blowout in Week 6, he said the Packers team didn't belong on the same field as us. So I think, I think we got some. It's more That's motivation. Yeah. 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 Devin White, that's so clear. <laughs> I'm going to you know, stick with my pick, like I said, from my uh, last round. But I have to stick with my Bucks. I said Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl, so I'm going to stick with the Bucks. But, you know, I remember week six, remember we did our, uh, I think it was one of our first installments of our Sunday Losers, and I think maybe number, number <laughs> I think he was up there. Yeah, I number two, I think number two on the list was, was Rogers. Yeah. Right? Number three list. And, <laughs> He's changed um, since then. We, you know, we sat there and said, when you think of a Rogers and Brady matchup, you think of mashups like Ali Frazier, McGregor, Mayweather, Rocky, and 
you know, Apollo Creed. I think that was the exact quote. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I think that was the and exact quote. I think, I think, you know, we were kind of robbed of that in week six, we can all say. It was not the game that we were expecting at all. I mean, I think I turned that game off in the second quarter. And I think this, you know, this go-around, we might have a better a better uh, game. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough. I sat here last week clamoring like an idiot saying the Rams are going <laughs> to the Rams are gonna, uh, stop the Packers. But, yeah, I don't know if anyone can stop the Packers. I'm, I'm thinking here saying, like, you just brought up a great point, you know. You know, Aaron Donald was invisible last week, and he was playing hurt, but he's still Aaron Donald. Um, Jalen, I think Jalen Ramsey did a good job on Devontae Adams. He didn't completely shut him down, but he did a good job. But have we seen anyone completely shut down the Packers' offense since then? I mean, they shut them down in week six. But I think that Packers team is a completely different team than how they are right now. So, I don't know. I, I still think the Bucs can pull this one out. i got to stick with the Bucs. It's going to be – I think it shouldn't be a close game. At least I think maybe, if, you know, touchdowns inside this game. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Packers pull them towards now. But I'm going to stick with the Bucs just to be consistent with my picks. But, you know what, I, I think the Bucs – are going to put up a good fight. I think they're resting Antonio Brown for the Super Bowl. They're, they're giving him an extra two. They're giving him an extra two weeks of rest here. Um, but you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked either way. So, Brady Gino, lover, Brady lover, Rogers hater. Yeah. Gino, Gino, I am, I am rooting for you as a friend. I, I want to see you. your, I want to see your happiness. But that means a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, you know. Talk about staff patter. Philip Rivers is not a staff patter. Adam Here we Rogers. go. We're not starting that. But he's Phillip a staff patter. What is that compared to? Philip Rivers is an uh, interception staff patter. I do think that this game is going to be a little more reminiscent of Rodgers and Brady's first matchup when Rodgers is on the Packers and Brady's on the Patriots. That mm-hmm. was the dog fight that you expected. Yeah. You know, the Packers yeah. and Patriots, two powerhouses, putting up a lot of points. Rodgers versus Brady. Like you said, I think it's going to be a lot more reminiscent of that than this year's Pat yeah. Rock and Brady. So. Yeah. You know, when the Bucks take the field this week, they aren't facing Taylor Heineke and the red, uh, the football team. They aren't facing Drew Brees in his wheelchair <laughs> and the Saints and Mike Thomas who didn't want to be out there. They're facing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, the baddest man on the planet. The discount double check. The man who doesn't send his family Christmas gifts. <laughs> That's a, that's a bad man. So, I got my pick this week is the Packers. Uh, and this is my sole reason is because Devontae Adams was healthy in week six. He's fully healthy this week. Um, and he still put up great numbers last week against uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's arguably the best corner in the game. Uh, I don't see anybody on the, in the uh, Buccaneers secondary that can really contain him as well as Ramsey did last week. Uh, and I think Rodgers will be able to take advantage of that. And also, uh, I, I know Brady was in uh, New England. I know he's used to the cold, but the rest of this Bucs team is used to the cold. Especially with the Packers having a home game at Lambeau, it's going to be snowy. It's going to be cold. Uh, the Packers are used to this, and I think the Bucks as a whole, even though with Brady's experience, they're not used to it. Um, so I think the Packers are win this game. You know, but I think the Packers. I think the Packers cheat. I think the Packers cheat. I think they like. I think they make the snow. I'm not gonna lie. I think they might add a snow machine last week. I'm dead serious. I looked at the weather report in Lambo. One percent chance of snow. Next thing I know, it's warm. They shoot ice guns in the air. Every time you see Lambo, you see snow. I mean, it's unreal. Well, you know, it is supposed to be cold up there usually. Why? Why is it gonna be cold up there? I don't know. Do I look like meteorologist? My God! Like, do I make the weather? <laughs> but overall, I mean, this is going to be, I mean, friendship's going to be broken this week. I was gonna say. <laughs> this is going to be, Christian <laughs> said he was rooting for you as a friend. <laughs> uh, uh, just wait till the staff <laughs> comes out, then it's over. 
But overall, this is going to be a sick week of football. Obviously, we all love to see the Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes in, you know, with one brain cell left battle. I think we're all a little bit more excited, in my opinion, about the Rodgers versus Brady duel. So anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to the JC and the Truth podcast. Tune in next week, and we will see you all soon.